0: So somebody used that information to drain the account electronically by essentially putting in the information and seeing what would happen. Money got ACH'd out, EFTs out, $30,000 disappeared within a week. A lot of money, significant amount of money. Person comes in, files the fraud claim. Well, it takes us to go through that fraud resolution process a few weeks to get the money back. We got it back. However, the business was paralyzed.
1: Here is your host, Sam Gupta.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. Most businesses take reactive approach to their banking needs, they are likely to default to the bank that has the lowest fee. Also, they might have several exposure points for attackers to get access to your accounts. But does the lowest fee always mean the best strategy for your business? What if someone gets unauthorized access to your accounts and drain all the funds? Well, you will be able to get your money back, but it might take several months. And during these months, you might have to deal with the cash flow challenges. So a solid bank integration strategy is essential for businesses. In today's episode, our guest, Matt Bernach, shares his insights into the nuances of bank integrations and considerations for ERP buyers. He discusses the differences in several options that might be available from banks and through the ERP integration and how that might impact your business. Finally, he discusses bank integration concepts such as Positive Pay, Nacha Files, and Exposure Points. Let me introduce Matt to you. Matthew Bernat is a business analyst with Srivan. He has won several company awards as the top performer in Q4 2020, Q3 2021, and top performer of the year 2021. He has advised businesses both on ERP and accounting practices to help them grow and succeed. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Matt. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Sam. Of course. And it is going to be so much fun discussing your experience with banking integration. Any integration is so much fun for me. And this is going to be banking, so it's even more fun. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus?
0: Sure. So, you know, uh, I, I think like many people around my age, um, I graduated college in the middle to end of the recession from 2008. I graduated in 2011. So I, I came out where I didn't really have the uh, ability to say, what do I want to do with my career, but rather yep. what's available to me. And, and, and that is very important in shaping the experience that I've had and how I got to where I am. So I ended up working with a software company that did accounting and transaction software, moved on to four and a half. uh, I spent about two and a half years, almost three years there, spent four and a half years as a banker, corporate banker, for one of the bigger banks, and then moved on to ERP software where I've been for two and a half years, uh, getting an MBA along the way. So my experience getting there has allowed me to sit in a variety of different capacities, advising businesses in different capacities, whether it's just on their accounting or on their ERP or even as a banker and seeing the integrations from both sides. I think a lot of people, a lot of perspective that I like to add when I'm consulting a business now as an ERP advisor is I know what the other side is going to ask you and I can send somebody into their bank with, you need to think about this, this, and this before integrating, or we need to look at your bank and what can we do? Uh, One of my favorite things there is being proactive rather than reactive. And I find that you can do a lot In that proactive space, if you already know what to ask for or what to say, you can get further rather than just waiting for something and reacting to a situation. I like to get people ahead of the game and say, let's think about this, this, and this. Even if I don't have the answer or I need a third party to have the answer, I can tell That person that I'm advising, that business owner in any space, whether it's manufacturing, retail, distribution, or I also work with professional services businesses and service oriented businesses, it's all the same to me. It's you need to ask these questions. These are the people that you need to be asking those questions to. Maybe they are your banker. Maybe it's another software provider that you're using. Maybe it's just developing an internal process, but having that process and having those answers is key for a successful ERP deployment staying successful in your ERP yeah. and and as we will we'll be talking about I'm sure more later on having the right banking services to go along with that because to me it's very important like everybody says well, online banking integration well that that's cool but that's reactive you know you get a transaction feed into the accounting software or into your ERP cool that's reactive that's yeah. not proactive proactive is utilizing the accounts payable modules in your ERP software or in your accounting software that's part of your ERP platform, if it's an integrated one, to develop things like a positive pay file. Have all your transactions that you're expecting at the bank beforehand. Don't get caught in, I have to react to, is this transaction the right one? Have the bank tell the bank, these are my transactions. You can do that with every major bank. It's a service that you know they all offer. They do it in different capacities. So the one that I did, we worked a certain way with it, and it's the starting point for all of my conversations on it with my ERP clients. Now is I tell them what bank I work for. I say this is how we did it there when I was there. It's it's a very standardized practice across all banks. So I'm going to get them at most you know at worst 90 percent of the way to what they want and what they need. But it's something that I can value. Uh, as a differentiator for me when I'm consulting because you need that and you don't know that you need that. And a lot of business owners don't realize until someone says like they're thinking about ERP software. They're thinking about their operations and making it run better. They're thinking about the accounting, but not in the capacity of the banking. I bring it up and I'm like, you should think about this because it can drive you forward in your business. And then you spend less time reconciling bank statements, more time, doing the things that drive your own revenue streams um so whether that is closing more clients um to in a retail or a distribution space like if you're a wholesaler you just want to get more clients to distribute to if you're a manufacturer that might be more time producing volume of your product whatever that may be or some people just want to go home early. they don't want to spend you know the, a, a late Friday night reconciling their books. You know go to your kids' spring play concert, dance recital, whatever. If that's what you want to do. Do it. You, you can get ahead of it with these things, and I try to bring people into that and say, "I know it, and you should talk to your bank about it And I think one of the biggest disconnects that I personally run into is, as I've learned more, I kick myself looking back at old at old conversations that I had, because if I knew that thing that I learned today and I knew that two years ago, I could have really helped somebody. And sometimes I go back to my old clients and I'll be like, did you know about this? You know, this could help you. It's a great way to build relationships. And I I, I personally love that. I think that's very important because as businesses succeed, that's how you're going to grow. And you need these value differentiators um, in there.
2: Amazing. So obviously, we are going to have a lot of fun discussing all of that. Some of the points that you mentioned, especially around being uh, proactive as opposed to being reactive, and I don't know how many of my listener base really understand banking. So yes, we are going to dig into all of that. But before we do that, we have one of that we ask every single guest, and that is going to be your perspective on business growth okay so
0: you know that it's very open-ended um i think growing businesses comes from going digital uh you need to leverage if you want to grow your business you need to leverage technology technology will work faster than a human but it works in hand with a human you need to have something that is geared to the operational goals that you want that goal can be i wanted to expand my territory and my footprint that's fine get a good cloud-based software so you can be on the road so that everybody can be in touch with each other. Or I want to add a new channel. Maybe I'm a manufacturer that wants to add my own wholesale distribution. I don't want to rely on third-party logistics companies. Fine. Expand into that. Get a software that can work with both. That is what I would advise there is don't run two separate operations. I've had people come to me with, I have, and for me, it's more of, I distribute the thing or I sell the thing, but it's a piece of equipment, let's say, And they also repair it and service it. And they're using two sets of programs. And I I almost want to be like, why? You might might as well run two separate businesses altogether. Get a program, get an ERP that can run with one. So I I work very specifically with one ERP software out there, Striven, and it's very good at that. That's one of the things that we did when we built it was design it to run in an industry agnostic format so that these companies that have these multi-channel approaches can run the same ERP for every aspect of their business, which in turn makes the communication internally that much more efficient the left hand always knows what the right hand is doing so you can grow your business just on efficiency alone because that's more time that your reps are spent either selling or doing the things that their job requires and that means FaceTime, shaking hands i guess now it's zoom calls since we've all gone remote but you know that's where where you can add your value and that's how you grow a business
2: not agree more so Obviously, let's go back to our conversation about this whole banking integration. And uh, again, I don't know how many people really understand what are going to be nuances of how many different bank accounts are going to be there. Uh, And uh, I don't even know if they might have some sort of, you know, savings. Let's say if they go for bank account type one versus two. So do you want to describe overall in terms of how many different bank accounts can be there? How many different savings can be there? Let's say if they are going to be integrating... What is going to be proactive approach in, let's say, setting up those bank accounts and how many different integration can be there for these bank accounts?
0: Absolutely. So I think that's a great question. So I think when you set up your banking structure... Yeah. I, I'm going to start with a couple of assumptions here. And the assumption number one is that it's a completely domestic United States business. Because yeah. if I go into international banking, oh, that's a whole different conversation. So we'll, let's start small. Let's just yep. start your domestic channel. Maybe you're a manufacturer. Um, maybe you're building something. I don't know. We'll, we'll start with water bottles. You build these water bottles and you sell them. Hey, yeah. works for me. It's, it's just a good metaphor. I actually, you can run a business effectively on just one or two bank accounts if you want to. I don't necessarily recommend that based on your size. If you're a smaller operation, though, that might actually make sense. If you're a larger enterprise operation, you might want two or three bank accounts. You may even want two or three different financial institutions as well, depending once your balances go. Um, FDIC rules. I know most of us are familiar with the older ones uh, from pre um great recession where it's $100,000 per account. It's actually been nuanced and changed a little bit over the years. It's $250,000 now, but it's per account owner and that is the tax ID that is the owner of record. So one of the interesting things about that is depending on how you run your operation, if you run subsidiary LLCs underneath yeah. it, you may conceivably be able to keep all of your bank accounts at one institution under that $250,000 limit because all of those different tax IDs that run the account all get their own two, 250. I do recommend keeping things at one institution when possible. The reason being in a digital age, your transactions are fraud protected, that there are things like regulation e-claims you can file to get your money back under most circumstances. And I'll, I'll talk a little more about that as we go on. Yeah, yeah. If you're monitoring your account and you're using these services like positive pay, again, we'll get into the nuances of what that is and how it yeah. works. You don't need to worry about moving money. And it actually takes longer to clear even a Zelle transaction or something from institution to institution where you start risking things like overdraft fees. Conversely, most banks, and I know the one that I did offered this as a service. Yeah. If you have all your accounts at that bank, and you have savings accounts, you can set up an overdraft protection where if you're worried about money in, money out, and transactions clearing, they'll run the transfers for you to make sure your transactions get paid without overdrawing your account. They have services in mind that, number one, will keep you running even if the fee may be minimal. Some of them will give you a courtesy one or two or three per month. You always want to check with your specific bank about that. Yeah. but those things will keep your business running. The other thing is, the more you build that deep in that relationship, this goes back to your first question about growth, easier it is to get a loan with that bank. Corporate loans, um, every bank runs them a little differently, but you may want a line of credit. A corporate mortgage, if you buy your property, yeah. you may want those things. great way to get them is to have that deep relationship with them. They will That will be used to help you out, so you are going to be able to leverage that. That said, Definitely, I always would tell my businesses as a banker when they came in, "Hey, you got an extra few hundred dollars lying around? Throw it into a business savings account and forget it. Surprise expenses, surprise bills come up. If you have a little bit of a savings account and you can definitely have the cash flows to do it, keep it there. Interest rates there may not be the best, but if you forget about it for a little bit until you need it, all of a sudden that you know two thousand dollars might be twenty five hundred, three thousand. Or hey." something came up and you need to grow, great way to quickly pull that in um, and utilize that funds. You can always close it out and reopen it at a later date, invest it, you know, and grow into your business. So it's a great way to manage it. Also great for if in the, you know, instance of needing access to funds or needing capital, it is there. You can always bring it, transfer it back later on. The amount of accounts depends on the size of your business. What I would, the package I would do, no, no, there is no one size fits all. Yeah, what you need is really based on on your business. And I know even as a banker I'd see this. A lot of people would look at the service fees on the account and they would yeah. try to minimize fees, but that's not always right for what your goals are. You know, um the way I would look at it is these are investments and even if you're paying a fee on something if it's returning that investment and then some That's just the cost of doing business, just like you invest in your employees. You have to pay salaries to get production. You have to pay commissions on your sales reps to get production and get sales made. You have to do the same thing with your technology provider, your ERP software. You're paying for that. You're going to see service fees on these bank accounts, but those things help you. And I think that is one of the conversations that even as a banker for me, was always very difficult because you you have to show the value, but it's not always the most tangible thing. It's very easy to tell somebody if you spend $100, let's say, on a piece of software uh, per month per user, and this makes your employees this much more productive, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm spending X number of dollars on my ERP software and I invested that, but that made X number of dollars in profit because my employees were more productive. Very easy to look at that and look at that change, get that ROI. Little harder with this, but it goes into knowing your business because things happen. And some of these services, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite ones, positive pay. Positive pay is the number one service that I think every business should have on their bank accounts because this is the most proactive service you can have in the online banking. And it's something you can do with an ERP. Um, In your ERP, you're going to be, we'll we'll start with the way that I would do this. In your ERP, you're, you're, Issuing all your payable transactions. You right. have your accounts payable. You need your suppliers for your raw materials. You need your vendors. Um, you need any service businesses that you work with. Hey, you, you write a check to an electrician because hey, the panel had had an issue. Um, right. Or you call the plumber because hey, there was a leaky faucet. Doesn't yeah. matter. You have all of them in there. The thing is about these bit about any business really, manufacturing, retail, anything. Your account information is out there whether you want to admit it or not you have your credit card info on file with how many vendors just think about it you have your bank account on file with how many vendors how many checks did you write your information's out there it's it's right. not difficult and not to scare people into thinking that it's out there but fraud happens and if you go on a service like positive pay so what positive pay is is that the bank assumes that any transaction not on the list of transactions Is fraudulent. They will not pay it until they verify it with the business owner or whoever is deemed as the person in charge of it. So your ERP software, you create all your payables, you approve all your payables, all your POs, all of your bills come in, everything in your AP, once a week, once a month, once a day even, depending on the size of your business, do it as often as you need to, do it as often as your bank recommends, send them the list of transactions, You can send out the list of expected EFTs. You can send out the list of expected checks. You write your payroll checks. They get the payroll account. They have the number. Now, anything comes in that doesn't match what's on that report, the bank assumes it's fraud. They will proactively block the transaction, alert you of the fraud, help get you a new secured account, and change everything over. When I was at the bank that I worked at, we had a manufacturing client of ours, and I'm not going to name them or anything, but suffice it to say, I have seen their products very often, and I've seen them all over the country when I've traveled, so I know that they that this is a brand that people are familiar with, even if they don't realize it. Wait, wait. A There was an issue with a check being lost in the mail. It was a payable check. They did not have positive pay. So they came into the bank one day, they did a stop payment on it. Well problem is, is that the information is still out there that's on the check. So you have the address of the business, you have the account number, you have the routing number. Yeah. So somebody used that information to drain the account electronically by essentially putting in the information and seeing what would happen. Money got ACH'd out, EFTs out, $30,000 disappeared within a week. A lot of money, significant amount of money. Person comes in, files the fraud claim. Well, it takes us to go through that fraud resolution process. A few weeks to get the money back. We got it back. However, the business was paralyzed because several tens of thousands of dollars went missing over a bunch of transactions. And we had to get that money back. And while we're getting it back, that's their cash. So they have to make payroll. They're tied up. They can't do purchases for materials. They can't pay other third parties that they work with. They're accruing late fees on those services now. So while, yes, the base money that went out was returned. How much did they lose in late fees to other services? Yeah. Well, yeah. we got them enrolled in positive pay. Going forward, that never happened again. Now, I had another client there. Now, this was a retailer who did have their accounts on positive pay. Several times over in the four and a half years that I was there, we would alert them. And we'd say, look, we got activity. Business owner would come down. They'd send somebody over to sign the paperwork. No issues whatsoever. A phone call was made. They'd tell us yes or no if there was a problem. I never even saw the person. Um, I know the name. Never knew what the person looked like because I never had to deal with them in person like I did for the other case. Why? Positive pay kept saving them. So easy to do. You can generate. Now, if in an ERP, what I tell people is make sure your ERP can generate those reports. It's usually very simple. It's a payables report. You just need the transaction data set of your reporting to pull out the proper details that the bank will ask for. And just so you know what those details are, it's check number. It's the account that it's coming from. It's the vendor that it's going to or supplier or person that you want to pay the amount that's it. Really, it's four or five pieces of information. A little different for ACH is because the bank will generate the ACH information. So that's the first thing that I would do is you can do that. One of the initiatives that I pushed on with that and knew that we could do, and then we took it to the next level because several of our clients started asking for it with the ERP software that I work with, is actually making that positive pay report a standard report going forward. So that the framework, because it's a standardized framework, the order of the same information might be a little different, but the bank is going to want the same information no matter if you have Bank of America, Wells Fargo, one of the national banks like them, or even just a small local bank that you might you know deal with. doesn't matter. It's the same information everywhere. So that's one that we really are pushing to make as a standard report, but we'll build it for anybody who needs it. I recommend it because, again, do you want to lose that money and have to wait and have the cost of how many late fees did you pay to your vendors? How much time did you spend talking you know, to your vendors about maybe getting extensions? If there's anything that involves interest because it's a third-party bill, you don't want any of that. Positive pay saves you. The next thing on that that really goes into it is Nacha Files because Nobody writes checks anymore. You know, yeah. Very few businesses still deal with checks. So NACHA is the ACH version of a positive pay, but it's the same thing. You have all the ACH information. A lot of banks will work with services that provide the ACH securely if you send them a file. Now, the bank I worked with called it e-treasury. That's what they called it. Most of the banks have a similar service. It's the same thing. You generate them based on an export. Your ERP supplies the export. Make your ERP not just the system of record, but the primary system. Why? Because you can track who's logging in, who's doing what. And if there's an issue, you can head it off at the ERP side and you can head it off before it even gets to the bank. Most importantly, your ERP login information isn't necessarily just laying around. Um, so it makes it a lot easier for somebody to do, you know, to prevent proactively prevent account fraud or things yeah. like that. These are very important services. And again, your bank is gonna love it because they are doing more business for themselves. So your banker is gonna be more than happy to talk to you about it. They're gonna be more than happy to help get you there. More importantly for you as a business owner, if I you know what I tell them is, do you want the headache or not? It's like having any kind of insurance on there. Sure, it's going to spend a couple dollars, but that couple dollars prevents so much more headaches later because it's one of those things that nobody thinks they need it until they need it, and then they wish they had it. So that is something that I'm really excited about with you know ERP and banking is, hey, I'm an ERP advisor now, but I was a banker. Leverage my experience on that side is what I tell all my clients. I will tell you what you need to do work with your bank on it. It's a five-minute conversation. Call your banker before you even walk in. Just call them. Say like, do you guys offer this? Who do I get in touch with? They'll be glad to make those appointments with you, and they'll be glad to go over the different options. All integrated in and all fed over, you'll never have to worry about that. You can sleep easy because if something comes up and it's not on the list, it gets blocked. It gets flagged also good for you know corporate credit cards and the same thing if you're looking for expense reports it makes it an extra place to reconcile all of that because you see all the transactions protects you protects your business helps you grow
2: very interesting commentary there so i definitely want you to uh, clarify a little bit more for mm-hmm. our listeners if they might not be familiar with let's say if they might have ACS, they might have eft and they might not know when to use what.
1: So mm-hmm. let's
2: say if you were to advise them in terms of what is uh, in which situations they are supposed to be using ACH for EFT, how would you yep. recommend that? I always recommend the
0: ACH. Um, ACH is definitely the most secure of all them because when you're dealing with any of the third-party EFT providers, uh, that's just another touch point where your information is exposed. So if you think about it i i come back i have a background from my master's degree in hipaa accounting compliance okay and while that may not be the the most um relevant to say a manufacturer knowing that i come from that background i always think like that and i bring the perspective of it which is when i'm advising a healthcare organization yeah. or a practitioner i always look at everything in terms of hipaa and it's very important because the logic here While HIPAA gives strict penalties if information is exposed, it's a very good metaphor for any business. HIPAA looks at touch points. It says that you need to be aware of every single touch point on your business where information could be exposed. Okay, make it compliant. And then you make it compliant to make sure that information that is privileged is not exposed. Well, it's the same thing with banking. Every time you expose your information in a transaction, that is potentially a chance for somebody to swipe it. Now, the technology is always reactive there. We can't, pr- banks cannot proactively get ahead of what the fraudsters are using. It's why we have chips in our cards now because Great. magnetic strips got clonable. You know, it was very easy to do. So now yeah. we have chips. Well, chips can be hacked as well, though it is much harder to do it's why there's you know investments in things like quantum computing to come up with more ways around and that's tech that even i personally don't understand the best but i get what it does you generate a code that can't be that is generated and if you don't have every aspect of the chain you don't know which is the you know that it's not real information what matters here for a business owner is it's the same thing so the fewer touch points that you use so for instance. I get that you know a business needs a payment services provider. They need somebody to, a merchant provider. But the fewer touch points between your primary bank account and that provider, the fewer chances your data is exposed. This is one of the reasons why I mentioned earlier I recommend utilizing your structure to try to keep your accounts at one financial institution because every time something is transferred, those are the exposure points. That someone is going to look at to attack the business to get in that information. So, putting on my bank fraud hat here, and that's the hat that I partially wore for four and a half years, but I also worked with the team that did uh, very heavily. Yeah. Those touch points are where data gets exposed. Um, a lot of times, it's just somewhere transaction data was exposed, somebody that got a hold of something that shouldn't did. You're protected if you know how to do that. And there are time limits with the transactions too. So if you don't see something in enough time, there are limits with how quickly you have to report something. So that's where the whole positive pay comes back in. So I recommend ACH, not EFTs, because if you're using an EFT through a third-party vendor, that may not be the best because you may have delays in the transaction that the bank is going to say, the transaction was timestamped at this time, That's when the clock starts. It's not when the EFT provider gives the next update on it. So it becomes a lot harder. The other thing is the more touch points through, the harder it is to recover in the event something gets back because everything has to be tracked through each touch point, fewer touch points, easier, easier something is to fix because there's just fewer places to look to find the missing thing. I I think about it this way. You know, you go out one night, you drop your wallet. You need to figure out where you dropped it. Well, if you only went to one store, You know exactly where it is. It's either in your car, in the parking lot of the place you went, or in the store that you were in. If you don't realize it, though, and you went to 10 or 12 different places, that's a lot of backtracking you have to do to hope you find it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But the most important thing is that is, you know, that's how you do it. So I, I always recommend exposing the fewest touch points as possible. Use an ACH, use your bank's merchant services provider, or one that they recommend so that you can have the fewest touch points. So that again, if there's a problem, it's the fewest phone calls. One of the biggest things that I experience as both a banker and an ERP provider is the same thing. Someone goes out and buys the cheapest thing for each individual aspect. Well, you do that, Something goes wrong, everybody points fingers at somebody yep, else. No. They're like, oh, <laughs> nope, we see it. It's all there. You know yep. that's going to happen. People even dread that conversation. Eliminate that variable. Get one. If you work with your bank on that, if you come into your banker and say, I need all of these services covered from you, my banker, problem, you go to you, the banker, and say, this is all within your bank. Right. It may not be the person that you're dealing with is going to be the one who's going to fix it, but they have all the connections internally, and that person is going to be there for you every step of the way. That person will be your main point of contact. Maybe they get in touch with somebody else who actually takes over the case, but by driving forward with that one person, they will protect your business. Again, you've not now you don't have your funds tied up for weeks upon weeks on end while you're trying to find out where that money is and recover it. You don't have to spend time, if it gets to the point where you have to spend time filing police reports to have investigations done, don't have to do any of that. You've tied it back with the right banking services that your bank says, this happened, we have the paperwork waiting, maybe you just have to come in and sign it. Maybe you're lucky it's something that can be e-signed, they can email it over, you can scan it, send it back. Don't know, that's up to your bank in the specific situation of what happened. But even if it is still an inconvenient trip to the bank, would you prefer an inconvenient five-minute visit to sign some paperwork or a five-hour visit to fill out a ton of paperwork from scratch? I'll take the five minutes every step of the way. Yeah. It's clear communication. So that's the way I look at it. And that's what I advise people to look into is, it's again, it may not be the cheapest option. It may yeah. cost a little more, but that investment is the protection you need in your own business going forward.
2: So that's very interesting. And that is something I don't think many people are going to be comfortable with. And the reason for that is because they are obviously going for cheaper services. For example, let's say Mm -hmm. we talk about bank, right? So bank is obviously going to come across as if they are probably going to be more expensive. And even if I look at my customer base, they are always looking for the cheaper option. But the the comment that I really want to make here is going to be, Let's say even if you go for bank, okay, the banks are also going to have some of the white label services that I have personally experienced. So even if you are getting from the bank and that happens in your ERP as well, right? So ERPs have a lot of different add-ons and sometimes the vendor that is selling, they might not own it, okay? They'll sell you, they will not tell you at the time of selling that they don't own it once you are going to have a problem, then you are going to realize that they are the owner of it and the support has to come somewhere else. And that could happen with the bank as well. So I don't know, Amici, do you want to clarify your position a little bit there?
0: Absolutely. No, no, that's totally fair. But you want to make sure that that's disclosed. However, most of the times because of the working relationship between the bank and that vendor, it is in their interest to keep you happy. So that was something that like, the bank I worked for, everything was in-house. Yes, we used devices that were made by Clover for our merchant services, for instance. However, the rep who was in charge of that was an employee of the bank. And that is something you do want to clarify. So that's a great question to ask when scouting those services. And if they tell you what the support is like, you want to get that agreement from them because this is the next thing. Agreements matter. A lot of times that's buried in the fine print. Read your agreement. So you do want to look at that. So yes, to clarify, That is the investigation when searching for a bank that you want to look for. Again, I mentioned the one that I worked for did it in-house. Yes, we licensed third-party hardware, but the actual programming and the actual uh, account management was still handled by our team. There would be teams involved. So you do want to look at that. ERPs, this is where it goes a little different. ERP providers are the same thing. Now, the company I work for, we do everything in-house. We actually have divisions that build the add-ons in-house. So with us and and Striven's um, ERP, Miles Technologies is the company that makes Striven. Miles Technologies has those developers for add-ons in-house. We do not outsource anything unless you want us to. And if you ask us to, we will. But our knee-jerk is to go in-house, build it, and our client would own that add-on. But you get the advantage of a custom built one that is built to order. You say you want to do this, there's no rigging a process like, oh, you bring in a, you know, product, let's say any, you know, product that's out there and hey, you know, you're going to use it out of the box, which means you're going to use some aspects more some different, some you're going to rig up a little differently to work to your business because the product that was made that wasn't really the intended use of it, but you like everything else about it. And with us, we give you the option to say, well, you could do that Or we will build for you at a cost. And my favorite line there is, quotes are free. You can always get a number. I I look at it as, I would rather an informed buyer make a decision based on all options. That's just me personally, you know, as a business analyst make an informed decision based on all options, but know your options. Now, again, same thing, research the bank, because yes, you did make a very valid point. I agree with it, but research who you're doing business with. And that may be a flag for you in that is like, look at who does the servicing, who's important. Again, the bank I worked for, we cut ties with a vendor while I was there because there were issues, and they didn't move on to somebody else. So I do want to you know make that a point that, yes, you make a very valid one. That's a research thing with the individuals um, to look at is you know what what are they doing? who's servicing it? who's yeah. really in charge of this? And of course, when in doubt, explore it, you know, explore it because moving a bank account from one bank to another, is not as difficult as it used to be, in that right. you know, you start moving the funds over, you could do the process essentially in a week or two, as long as, once you have the numbers, if you start switching from one bank to another, let's say you switch from bank X to bank Y, I'm just gonna use two fictional examples, we don't need to pick on anybody here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just like the service offerings from bank Y better, so you leave bank X. Once you input the links in your ERP with the online bank feeds, you're good, everything's ready. Switch up your payments with all your vendors and inform them. Hey, if your ERP organizes your vendors really well, maybe it has a mass email tool. Maybe it links with a MailChimp. Either way, you can get the information to all your vendors securely. Hey, draw on this account now. Draw on this credit card now. Draw on these resources now. Great. Drain the accounts. Close them out. You can be moved out in a week. It's really not that hard. You know, it's just time consuming because you do have to go. If you don't have any relationship with the new bank, you're probably going to be doing this in person. So you are going to be filling out that paperwork in front of somebody with somebody. It's it's a meeting. But if it's the right services, that's going to get you the growth and relationship that you want. So you do want to explore that. And and that's definitely a research thing. Again, the bank I work for, we happen to do things in-house. That is not the same for every bank out there. Very valid. And that is something I tell people. And now as an ERP advisor, it's really easy. Tell people what to look for. Look into that. Look into who, you know, ask for third-party recommendations. But ask for recommendations not just from, like, your friends or your business partners, but also those that you trust that you do work with. Ask a vendor, hey, who plays nice with your product. One of the things that I look at as an ERP provider is I may have an ERP, but I want people to be on my system. So if I'm going to steer somebody on a recommendation, it's in my interest to send you somewhere that I know works. So if I know in your region, hey, there is this great vendor for you, make an introduction. You know, I'll make an introduction. I'll say, explore this. Talk to these people. Maybe it gets you something that can help you. Maybe it doesn't. I actually happen to have one of my ERP clients who was also a bank client of mine, and I think one of the differentiating factors in their decision was knowing me. When they right. found out that I was the ERP consultant, they were like, "That's where Matt went." You know, they, they had been <laughs> informed. They, I, I had left. You know, the other position. They had said, "Hey, Matt, Matt's leaving at the end of the month, and he'll be starting a new endeavor." And then it was like seven months later, I ran into them at the ERP position that Very I was cool. in, and they were like we saw the name, but we didn't know it was going to be you. And I was like, it's me. This is, this is where I came. And, and I, I really think that that was a differentiating factor in why they chose us as their ERP, because I had taken such good care of them that they knew they could trust me to continue with their ERP needs to take good care of them. And they were still very happy with the bank that I worked for as well.
2: Very interesting. So we are going to go back to the positive pay a little bit. Uh, And uh, in terms of positive pay, when I look at it, uh, I don't know if nowadays banks are defaulting to that because when I work with, I am always getting alerted for the fraud transactions if they are not going to be related. So I don't know if they do it by default. I don't know if there are any processes around that where they can mm-hmm. take care of that. But that could get very annoying, to be honest, okay? So yes, let's say if you have never had a fraud situation, then you probably cannot relate mm-hmm. with it, but every transaction need to approve, every time they are causing delay, and sometimes they are not even going to respond. So it becomes very inconvenient. So I don't mm-hmm. know if there are any automated processes from the ERP perspective that you have seen that can verify deposit pay, I don't know. What would be your uh, uh, comment on that?
0: So my comment on that would be most likely I would definitely pick and choose which accounts you put it on. to start with. So maybe you don't put it on the credit card that people are using for office supplies because that's going to get swiped repeatedly. So if you have a card that you give, maybe take that one off and just review that statement weekly to make sure that there's nothing on there that you didn't approve. But for things like checks, for things like EFTs or ACHs that you know are going to be recurring draws from the account, put those on the positive pay file so that they happen have the touch points go in. You can always do that. Um, you know, again, it's one of those things that people are worried about alerts, but the day that it saves you is the day you're going to be very thankful. You had it. One of my favorite ones with me, I worked for the bank. Um, it was a summer day in, I think July or August. And that just really just sets the stage for really hot afternoon. Um, and I'm sitting in a bank and it was a reasonably busy afternoon. Um, and I noticed I had come back from lunch. and I had a missed call from the fraud department at my desk. And I'm like, it's my bank's fraud department. OK, probably a case that I submitted because I submitted more than my share. I think, you know, I, I would do about one every day. It felt like when I worked there and probably it was more like two a week, but it definitely felt like it. And I would follow up. So I was like, OK, it's probably a follow up on one of my cases. They want me to follow up with a client. Nope. Turns out my fraud department, because I worked for the bank. Someone was trying to use my card to get across the Holland Tunnel into New York City. Oh, wow. And I called them and they were like, Matt, someone, you know, you didn't give your card to somebody. Like, we know you work here. We know you're working. Like we saw that you were working. So we we knew to block this transaction. I was like, yeah, no, I I didn't give it. They're like, well, did you give it to like a family member or something? You know, because I at the time lived in northern New Jersey and I do have family in the city. I had traveled in the city previously. So it wasn't un it wouldn't have been unusual, but also not my style. I was 90% a train in New York person, not a driver. Um, and so they're like, you know, we went ahead and I'm like, yeah, they're like, we're going to email you the paperwork. You just need another rep to sign off on it for that side. So they, they faxed us over, emailed over the paperwork, got everything signed, got everything taken care of. And lo and behold, I had no issue. Um, again, you know, you don't worry about it until the day that it happens. And, That is, I think, the biggest, biggest thought is that, yes, it can come across as feeling annoying or, you know, redundant. And yes, it can have the other adverse effects. But what's the alternative? And the alternative is the risk, because the alternative is somebody clears your account down to zero and you have nothing. And that that might be worse. So, again, ERP, the way I would look at it with the ERP is and the technology You know, can be built. You may need to do an add-on. You may need to bring in a developer. Again, a one-stop shop company like mine is a great one for that. Build something that can do the auto response, that can do transaction matching. Now, we, We have some light transaction matching in our system. It matches on things like vendor, check number, and all. It's not perfect. It's a step in the right direction. We have plans to do more with it as time goes on. I I think there's going to need to be. I mean, one of the biggest things that needs to happen there, of course, is one that will take a lot of time, which is reform in banking law. You know, a lot of these rules did not have the internet in mind when they were written. A lot of these regs don't have that. Like, in some ways, it's a lot easier for me to talk about from a practical perspective. If somebody was to swipe your checkbook and write a fake check, it is so much easier to talk about what's going on there because the rules are very clear. Once you get into things like regulation e claims which is if somebody was to do a credit card swipe with your card, it's a little more murky. And then as you get into things like ACHs or third party payments, gets even more, you know, it gets even murkier and murkier about who is really liable. And of course, putting the third party perspective Nobody wants that liability on them. It's why there are PCI compliance audits. By the way, on your ERP, that's another thing to ask for. What's your PCI compliance audit look like? How do you protect information? Uh, There are different levels of it. They mean different things. If you get audited because one of your vendors or customers requests it because they're filing a dispute, you want somebody that knows that on your ERP side. And on the bank side, to make sure that information is per- is protected properly. So banks can do it. They have different resources available. And you want to make sure that they're going in with that. You want to make sure that the services you have are right for your company. You also want to review them as your company grows because... What you started with on day one, if you open up a business with just, say, you know, you and a few friends, and you're just doing some light distribution, maybe you're buying some stuff directly from a manufacturer, and then you're wholesaling it out to retailers, and you're just brokering that information. Well, that's one thing, but then you start adding your own distribution, and you start hiring drivers. You're going to evolve your business. You want all of your services, bank or ERP, to evolve with you to be the right product that you need. And that's going to be very important. So that's another thing. Again, go to the bank, ask them. It's a point of comparison. It's That's all it is. Again, I'm not going to say you have to use the bank. Just a point of comparison. And that, that's very important because you need to know all the options. Researching it's very important. There's a lot you can do. But don't be afraid to ask the sources for their material on it. Of course, their source of material. Know your material. One of my favorite things about everything that I, that I do in b- both of this is that I learned very, you know, very early on. And I I learned this really from my parents. And it it comes from their jobs because they're not business. Well, my dad is a business owner, but he's a lawyer now retired. He's an attorney. So he knows how to ask questions because he did trial work. My mom was a a nurse, medical. Again, asking questions because patients lie about their symptoms. You have to figure out if you're going to help diagnose (laughs) somebody or you're going to help a case. It's very important. And, And I've learned that, that, you know, one of the, Best lessons in all that is ask for the information directly from the source, but know the slant that they're giving it to you. Of course, the bank is going to give you the best reason to use theirs. The best reason might be the protection and those other things over price. Third-party provider is going to say price in a lot of cases, but use that. Understand the perspective that they're coming from. Don't be afraid to challenge them on what their weaknesses are. If you're working with a good rep who is truly knows their products and services they're going to tell you the negatives when you ask they're going to say look these are the common problems but they're also going to say and this is how you avoid them so don't be afraid to look at that and say well this is a great service also be open minded to changing your own practices when that time comes because that's the next thing you just because something worked today doesn't mean it's going to work in you know in a year in 5 years the world is ever changing um you know our company has been in business 25 years. Well, one of the first services we provided was building servers and laying network cable. Who does that anymore? Yep, Some yep. businesses still do, but it's not yep. as common. It's right. nowhere near a primary service. People want the cloud now. So you do want to evolve that. And you have to realize that sometimes evolving means change. And, The more things change, the more they stay the same is another quote that's very important to me. Um, And and that's important to know with your services. Know when it's time to move on, work with your bank, but evolve your bank services because a lot of them have that. They have enterprise level solutions as you grow into that. They have small, mid-size, larger business solutions as well. Grow through them. Don't be afraid to change. Do those checkups. Make that a point of your business analysis. Internally, that should be part of your internal process. not just do taxes, get back to work, but also evaluate your services every six months every year. Make that a point to do that. Is this right for me? Sometimes it's you know it's right to change vendors. you know a business owner would change a vendor if it meant that it was right for their business. If your supplier of a product that you used in your manufacturing wasn't the right supplier anymore because you get it, you'd change. Well, you should do the same thing with these other service providers as well.
2: Amazing. So that's it for today. Do you have any last minute closing advice for our listeners?
0: You know, the best thing I could say is, again, keep an open mind. I think it's really important to know what's out there. Do your research, but do your research both on third parties, asking the sources, asking around about what works. Find providers that are willing to be honest with you. Everybody says, you know, you smell a salesman who's making a sale for their commission. Those are the ones to avoid. Look at somebody who's going to take that consulting first approach and look at somebody who's willing to be honest about their products that's how you know you can trust somebody because that, they're going to tell you, hey, this is what we're good at. This isn't what we're good at. So this is what you need to have a plan in place for. Because nothing, unless you were to spend millions of dollars building a completely customized solution that does exactly what you want in every capacity of your business, or you're not going to get that. That's just a, a huge investment. So if in your ERP, get the things you need. In your bank, Get the services you can and find out who they recommend as service providers. Who do they have a good relationship with? Again, every business is in it. Just as a business would cut ties with a part a business partner that isn't working for them, those other businesses are doing the same thing. So you have to keep in mind that they'll all be pushed to do the right thing and get your information and don't be afraid to make changes when the time is right.
2: Amazing. And my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be any time when you are going to be integrating with banks, obviously, there are going to be tons and tons of nuances. So make sure you are going to be doing your research and understanding how you can save a lot of trouble, because once you are going to be in trouble, then it's going to be extremely uncomfortable. On that note, Matt, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been a powerful episode.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing it and looking forward to any feedback from the listeners. Of
2: course. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Matt or Striven, head over to striven.com. It's S-T-R-I-V-E-N.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, You might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Jim Downs, who shares his insights into the importance of tracking meaningful financial KPIs to improve profitability and growth for CPG companies. Also, the interview with Aaron Spool from Aventus Advisory Group, who describes what it means to have a cash flow mindset in the organization.